Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the first chapter of Peppermint Barked by Leslie Butterwitz. It's read by local actor Ariel Lynn. Peppermint Barked was published by 7th Street Books in July of 2022. This is the second of three Christmas mystery episodes. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks. When her life fell apart at age 40, Pepper Reese never expected to find solace in bay leaves. But her impulsive purchase of the spice shop in Seattle's famed Pike Place Market turned out to be one of the best decisions she ever made. Between selling spice and juggling her personal life, she also discovers another unexpected talent for solving murder. The series begins with a salt and pepper. Pepper Reese, owner of Seattle's Spice Shop, thinks she can handle any kind of salty customer until a murderer ends up in the mix. In the sixth book, Peppermint Barked, a Dickens of a Christmas turns deadly. Pepper investigates when a young woman working the Christmas rush in her friend Vinnie's wine shop is brutally attacked on the busiest shopping day of the year. Chapter 1. A Peppermint Barked. It was beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and smell like it too. Cinnamon, of course, along with nutmeg and cardamom. Pumpkin pie spice, a blend that skyrocketed in popularity in recent years. I caught a hint of sage and a tang of rosemary as I filled a bag of poultry seasoning a kitchen essential people forget until November rolls around. When they can't get enough of it, fine by me. Every season has its own rhythm and its own flavors. This isn't tea, a man said. I glanced across the front counter at our tea cart, where a beautiful electric samovar, blue enamel with red and pink flowers, brewed one of today's samples. The man held a tiny paper cup his wrinkled nose skewing his glasses. Hush, a woman standing next to him said. It's peppermint. Mmm, tastes like grass clippings. Just pour out what you don't want, I called, pointing to a plastic bucket on the floor beside the cart, our version of a winery spit bucket. You might prefer our signature spiced tea. It's in the stainless steel pot. Instead, the man glowered, and drained the cup, then crushed it and dropped it into the wastebasket. His wife refilled hers, and they left. <laughs> There's a Grinch in every crowd, my customer said, and everyone in earshot, staff and customers, laughed. While I readied her order, we chatted about her holiday cooking plans. Those are new, she said, pointing at a display of colorful syrups. Perfect for gift-giving, I replied. Hyper-local. Joy Rockwood, the maker, rents space in the same commercial facility as we do. Grows most of her own herbs. Even forages the wild varieties. You'll love this blueberry lavender. It's great with club soda or gin. And they're not just for cocktails. Try the lemon sage in a glaze over pound cake. We couldn't eat it fast enough like a taste of summer sunshine. Seriously, 
one bite and I thought I was lounging in a comfy on a rondack in a lush garden, wriggling my bare toes, not standing on a cold cement warehouse floor beneath a bank of LEDs. The bell on the door chimed as customers left and others poured in. Sounds like I better take a few bottles. Need a hand? I asked after she'd signed the screen on our card machine and Reed had finished packing her order. Three large canvas dropping bags, all full. I added a bag of cinnamon sticks, tied with a red and green plaid ribbon, as a thank you. If you're in the market garage, Reed can help you carry your bags to your car. She accepted the offer. Not one I make often, but her shopping spree warranted it. I filled my ceramic mug with tea and stepped outside. Karen, my BFF, who pitched in when I bought Seattle Spice in the Pikes Place Market just over two years ago and still works here a few days a week, had bought us each a holiday mug. Mine was covered with dancing peppermint candy canes, and not my name. My nickname, actually, bestowed by my baseball-obsessed grandfather, who thought my birth name too long and weird for a fiery little girl, and dubs me Pepper for his favorite player, Pepper Martin. My shop occupies the old garden center building, an art deco vestige of the 1930s, with a big front window and deep wooden awnings painted a dark forest green. I leaned against the salmon pink stucco wall, safely out of foot traffic, and breathed in the hot, steamy mint. It's funny how some herbs have a different effect depending on the season. Mint cools us in the summer and warms us in the winter. <sighs> I took a sip. It most definitely did not taste like grass clippings. Much as I love the holidays, I've always hated to rush the seasons. I dragged my feet on turning the shop into a winter wonderland wanting to savor the baskets filled with mini pumpkins and warty gourds we'd bought from the farm stalls and the bouquets of sunflowers and fall foliage as long as possible. But after all we'd lost to what my pal Vinny calls the time that must not be named, there was no holding back the Christmas spirit. Customers had started shopping early and were buying more gifts and spending more money than in years. Call it rational exuberance. Call it a boon for the bottom line and a boost for my own Christmas spirit. It was Black Pepper Friday, as my staff dubbed it, the day after Thanksgiving, and the shopping and eating season was off and running. This year's theme in the market was a Dickens of a Christmas, and Victorian touches accented the traditional holiday decor. The planter boxes that lined the roof of the main arcade brimmed with greenery and giant red bows. Neatly trimmed evergreens standing guard behind them. Below hung a string of lights in the shapes of fruit and vegetables. It was Black Pepper Friday, as my staff dubbed it. Neatly trimmed evergreens standing guard behind them. Below hung a string of lights in the shapes of fruit and vegetables. Okay, the lights weren't quite in keeping with the theme, but they were perfect for the oldest continuously operating farmer's market in the country. The Seattle weather can be nasty this time of year. Cold and wet and windy, 
but today it was clear and dry. A shopkeeper's dream. The crowds packing the sidewalk parted briefly and across the cobbled pike place, the market's main street. I spotted a young woman in a full-skirted Victorian dress, blonde hair and a snood, a plaid shawl around her shoulders. She was standing in the narrow walkway between the produce stand and the pasta stall in the North Arcade, talking to a man I didn't recognize. He interrupted, leaning in, almost looming. She threw one hand in the air and kept on talking. Beth Yardley, who started working for my friend Vinny Delgado in his shop, the wine merchant, this past fall. Vinny had always resisted my suggestion that he hire a sales clerk, even part-time. And then one day I popped in for a bottle of Walla Walla Red, and there she was. Early 20s, full of ideas and energy. Since then, she'd come by the spice shop several times, more interested in chatting with Matt, one of my sales clerks, than in basil or bay leaves. I'd wondered if they were dating, though he had to be six or seven years older. Not that he would say a word. He's as private as an eye. My employees had been adamant about not dressing in costume, to my relief, sticking with the black and white scheme that matched our shop's aprons. But Vinny no surprise, had embraced the Dickinson doodah, and so had Beth. A delivery truck rumbled into view, and when it had passed by, the man was gone. Beth scowled and drew the shawl tighter. Then she stepped into the sea of traffic that filled the cobbled street, bobbing and weaving between the shoppers and browsers and the cars foolish enough to attempt driving through the market, and disappeared from sight. Where's Matt? I asked. It was nearly closing time, and I counted on him for some of the messier tasks, like emptying the samovar and hauling out the trash and recycling bins. He ducked out a few minutes ago, my assistant manager, Sandra Pinella. Sandra Pinella said, gazing at me over the tops of her red and white striped readers, said he'd be right back. Curious. He'd been late from his lunch break. To my surprise, Matt had joined the staff six months ago, and he'd proven highly reliable. His retail instincts made him an asset, especially considering that he'd barely known Black Pepper from Red when I hired him. I hope the disappearing act didn't become a habit. When we were this busy, we needed all hands on deck. I answered a customer's question about Vietnamese versus Ceylon cinnamon, why you might want to use a single origin spice, and when a blend might be the better choice gave her samples to sniff and taste. She chose jars of our cinnamon toast blend and bags of our custom spiced tea as stocking stuffers, and I handed her off to Reed to ring up her purchase. I was tidying a display of tea towels and strainers in the red armoire, which Sandra had dolled up with a garland made from nutmeg and bows of our tartan ribbon, when Matt burst in, his rain jacket open, soft brown hair tousled by the wind and his hurry. At the sight of me, his cheeks turned bright as the winterberries in the bouquet he clutched. Half price, he said, and rushed past me to our tiny back room. The flower sellers mark down any remaining bouquets at closing, so they don't have to cart them home and start fresh the next day. But I'd never seen Matt with one. Sandra's eyebrows rose, and I tried to stifle my surprise. My 13 years of running staff HR for a major local law firm before it imploded in scandal and took my job with it. 
I'd seen a lot of odd things. I'd also learned when to ask questions and when to keep my tongue in my mouth. He was back in a flash, cheeks still pink, avoiding eye contact as he tied on his apron and got to work. Humans be mysterious creatures sometimes, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Smells like fish stew, I said a few minutes later as I hung my red raincoat on a wall hook and sat on the bench beneath to tug off my rain boots. The skies had been clear this morning, but I hadn't dared dressing for dry weather and jinxing the day. Fruity de mer, as the Italians call it. Fisherman stew, with tomato broth and linguine. After all, he spread his hands and I chimed in on the final words. I am a fisherman. <laughs> that he was, but not Italian. Red or white? he asked. Yes, I said. Give me two minutes. Five, max. I dashed into the bedroom, stripped off my stretchy black pants and cumin-scented black t-shirt, pulled on leggings and a fleecy tunic. I gave my face a quick splash and tugged at my spiky dark hair. My brother says I style it by sticking my finger in an electrical socket. It's a little more involved than that, but not much. Back in the loft's main living space, Nate had set a tray with glasses of a deep red wine and a bowl of spice-glazed nuts on the packing crate that serves as my coffee table. I settled in beside him and took a sip. Mmm, this is fabulous. Not too fruity, but not too dry. Most people think white wine with fish, but the tomato and the stew meant it would pair neatly with the red. And maybe we'd pour a glass of white to enjoy with dinner. Although, I did have a busy day tomorrow. Vinny's new assistant suggested it, Nate said. She's young. Can't be 25, but she knows her stuff. Beth, I saw her today, in the arcade. Not every woman can rock a snood, but she's got that Victorian look nailed. A what? You know, though obviously he didn't, so I mimed one with my hands. Those net bags women with long hair used to wear, a cross between a headband and a hood, before I could say anything about the squabble I'd seen. If it had even been that, Nate's phone buzzed. We try not to be tied to our phones when we're together, but in the modern world, you can't help it especially when relatives are flying in and out. Nate read the text. Braun, he'll be on the afternoon flight tomorrow. Tomorrow? I heard my voice rise. After six months with Nate, I knew fishermen's schedules changed quickly, depending on the weather and the catch. And I'd known Braun planned to stop in Seattle for a few days between getting the boat the two brothers own in Alaska squared away and heading to upstate New York to visit their parents and sister. But tomorrow? He's itching to meet you, Nate said. The plan was for Braun to sleep in the mezzanine above the bedroom. What my builder and my mother called the meditation room. Though it's not actually a room, and the only meditation done there is usually horizontal, eyes closed. It's a great space for guests, but it does make me self-conscious about certain bedroom activities. 
The brothers also own a smaller boat docked in Seattle at Fisherman's Terminal, where Nate and I met. But Nate had the engine torn apart right now and pieces strewn all over. What? Nate's voice rose, teasing me. Don't tell me you're nervous. I tilted my head, seeing a hint of amusement in his green eyes. Kinda like you, meeting my dad. He grunted and reached for his wine. My mother had spent a good part of the summer in Seattle before going back to Costa Rica. And she and Nate had hit it off. But my dad had been in and out. So between his adventures and Nate's fishing trips, they missed each other. My mom loves you, and that's more than half the battle, I continued. You and Dad will bond over boats and history. Yeah, but a man checking out his brother's new girlfriend and a man sizing up his daughter's new beau are two different things. My turn to grunt. I knew Dad would like Nate, though he'd be concerned about the here-and-gone nature of a fisherman's life. With Braun, on the other hand, things might be complicated. Nate's and my relationship had gotten serious fast, and while I knew Nate was as committed to it as I was, we were sailing on changing seas, and the waters might bring change his brother-slash-business partner wasn't ready for. At least they won't be staying here, I said as the rich aroma of the fruity de mer drew us to the kitchen. I just hope they like the houseboat. What's not to love? On the water? Close enough to both you and your brother to get back and forth easily, but far enough that they won't be dropping in at all hours? I'd been in charge of finding them a place to stay for a few weeks. Their new plan called for switching up the expat life for the snowbird life. Six months there and six months here. And they'd be house hunting on their visit. My dad could be happy anywhere, but my mother had grown tired of the distance from her old life. Not to mention the distance from my brother's kids. In a stroke of luck, my friend Laurel had arranged for them to house it for a neighbor of hers. Nate, this is my mother we're talking about. Lena, remember? He handed me a basket of bread. I remember. Family and friends are the heart of the holidays. Customers buy my spices to make good food for the people they love. They buy syrups and spiced tea cookbooks and gift boxes to share with their nearest and dearest. I was lucky to have a great relationship with my family, as Nate did with his. But having them all here? One after the other? A touch of nerves made perfect sense. This reading of Peppermint Barked was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on her website, lesliebutowitz.com. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference, and we could really use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. And we also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier for others to find. And be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, 
This is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery.